0: Meat is evolving. Hell, even non-meat is evolving. We are at the point where we have basically, literally, taught vegetables to bleed. And by taught, I mean designed. Which is great, right? The one thing vegetarians have always wanted more of was blood in their food. That's obviously sarcasm. Pretty sure vegetarians are blood-averse. So what is the deal with analog meats? The new offerings, notably from Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods. And maybe more importantly, are they any good?
1: like' on my tiptoes baby you think a little too small I got big goals, baby ain't wear the money yeah I just need the info prazo I go and get it split it with my kids
0: it's time for another serving of un a critical and often humorous look at the politics and history of food and agriculture from the perspective of two friends and former chefs chef
1: I ain't surprised at all, seen them rise and fall, went up the mountain, it wasn't hard to climb at all, at the top I found some relief, I finally got some please, carry
0: on, but please don't mess up the moon, yeah, I want too hard for it, no I need to beat it, for you mess up the moon, yeah, let's fucking, let's, let's roll, baby. All right, cool. Welcome to the show, I'm Brendan, with me as always is Matt Carton. Sub people? Something you may not know about Matt is that Matt can actually kill two stones with one bird. <laughs> so that's a fun little fact. It sounds
1: like something from the Dos Equis commercial.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: the most interesting man alive. He can kill you're, two uh, you're living your own with legend one bird. Here. <laughs> 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 you're,
0: you're living your own legend here. I love it. So unless you are one of our many and beautiful subscribers who already know how awesome we are and download our show regularly, you probably chose to listen to this episode because you, like millions of uh, Americans, have been thinking about plant-based meats and wondering, what up with that? <laughs> so so to start us off here, uh, Matt, what is a what is a plant-based meat? Can you give us a definition in your words, real, real Harry Potter shit, dude? Yeah. Uh- <laughs> uh, I
1: mean, there's there's a couple, medi- of, there's a medi- couple of buckets on plant-based meat that I think are really interesting. The, the one category that I'm calling science is things like <laughs> Impossible Burger, mainly, and then also Beyond Meat. Uh, and then you get down into the latter sort of weirdness of like, you know, the good old-fashioned bean burger, garden burger. Basically, all these consist of just, you know, plant-based proteins and binders. and And if you're getting really good at it. Uh, another special ingredient we'll talk about later. But that's basically it. I mean, it's just meat m-
0: made with plants. Yeah, when you when you hear the term plant-based meat, you're talking about something that is specifically designed to replicate meat products while being made from plants. It's pretty, pretty literal. The last several years have seen really huge advancements in this area. I think that's kind of what you're teasing out with the with the ingredients that people at the higher levels are playing mm-hmm. with. But plant-based meats that use some of the modern technologies can even emulate the color and juiciness of meat mm. as they cook. For instance, allowing you to order a vegetarian burger, medium rare. So that's uh, that's something that I think a lot of people are excited about these days. It's strange. It's strange. What did you think when you first saw those? When like when you first saw a bloody vegetable burger? <laughs> like what was? What did did that like emotionally impact I mean, I don't you? At all?
1: Really super clear. Is this was nothing that I would ever at any point in my life, I think, actually go out and seek. Um, so the only way I was initially going to try any of this stuff is if it just landed in my lap in, in the form of like, well, you can just eat this or you can starve. And I remember it was, it was, uh, my, my friends, Clay and Leah's wedding and they're both vegan-ish. Uh, and I was the day before the wedding, I was in the wedding party. <laughs> they got a toe in and the, the vegan pool. They <laughs> <vegan-ish. laughs> And they they had um, uh, I believe I think it might have been Beyond Meat and or maybe it was Impossible Burger I don't remember but uh, I was Beyond I was Meat is totally like one. yeah this is totally fun
0: like impressively fun you know? I was uh, I was curious about Impossible burgers and doing them at home I've always really liked a you know a nice crust mm-hmm. on a burger and I think that. Most people's interaction with veggie burgers is that kind of dry patty, you know, that's sort of crumbly Mm. and doesn't really do the trick as far as like your desire for a good burger is concerned. And a lot of that is because you can't get like that Mm -hmm. nice crust. But you can totally do that with an Impossible Burger. Like you pull it out. It looks just like meat. You, uh, you know, salt it heavily and then throw it right onto your heat source. And it gets that nice caramelized like meaty crust even. And I think that as long as I see that, I'm satisfied with the burgers. So I'm a fan for sure. I mean, again, some real Harry
1: Potter shit going on there, but uh, it is amazing.
0: (laughs) Just out of curiosity, do you know what goes into making these fake meats? You know, what's, what's really interesting
1: about, well, one, you've got, you've got your, your sort of lower rung of these companies that, that produce that veggie patty sort of item, like you just mentioned. Um, But when you get into the fake meat, I mean, there's really two companies we're looking at, right? Impossible, and uh, beyond. And I actually thought it was really interesting about, you know, what line these companies, both of these companies have decided to, you know, stake their flag on each side of. And that's really the use of soy. Right. So when you get to uh, yeah. Impossible, Impossible Burger uses soy protein. But they also do a lot of effort to sort of combat the mythology behind soy. You know, the um, the controversy increases risk of breast cancer effects on. Um, male. Oh yeah. The estrogen, estrogen yeah, the, increase, male hormone and infertility issues. So they do a lot of work within their own um, promotional material to sort of uh, dispel that. And they basically what they do is they just sort of boil it down into like, yeah, well, like all these, these things, these phytoestrogens and, and flavonoids and things that everybody's concerned about. They're in a lot of the stuff you eat like peanuts and beer cool. and wine. Right. So um, yeah. So to break that down beyond meat, you know they they use pea protein and they really stamp their flag into this like no soy marketing. But beyond that, I think the ingredients are pretty similar, uh, with the exception of one which I don't want to you know spoil. We can talk about that a bit later. But it's basically it's it's fats, some some version of like a um, inactive yeast or yeast extract. Uh, A long list of B vitamins, which are probably there for both, like, nutritional value and some preservative effects, I would assume. Uh, And then binders like lecithin and methylcellulose. And that's basically it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's uh... (laughs) a... That's right. That's my understanding, too. I know that you mentioned pea protein. That's That particularly was popularized by Beyond Meat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even outside of the alternative meat space, it's seeing a lot of success in the market. I actually have a, uh, a product called... Uh, ultra inflamex Mm. which is this essentially it's a protein shake that you take as a meal supplement in the morning that's supposed to help with like inflammation in your body but it's predominantly made from pea protein and like you said beyond meat kind of pioneered Mm. that and the reason it's so popular is it provides all nine amino acids that comprise a complete Mm. protein um so other things that you can blend into that though because i don't think that either one of them is just like leaning into one like impossible is bigger on soy protein Uh, i think beyond meat is bigger on pea protein but they both blend in other things like uh, potato protein and the reason they do these blends is each one brings something different to the table like potato protein can give great structure to the burger but apparently it's very bitter so it doesn't have the Mm. best taste i think quite honestly they're in my mind i hear a lot of people complaining about the flavor of them but I, I think they're doing I don't, I don't, I don't see what them. there is to complain <laughs> about like
1: I mean if, if if beef deleted itself off the planet and the only thing that I was left with was these two companies to sort of fill that void in terms of burgers at least I, would, I, I wouldn't want to kill myself you know
0: I would be fine <laughs> I was about to say in terms of burgers like you know what makes burgers taste good right motherfucker yeah there it is so everybody knows that (laughs) that, god damn did you read up anything on like how they actually get the fat in there because I thought this was kind of interesting Uh,
1: you know I didn't see that I just just reading between the lines on the ingredients you know I see they're using both both companies are using uh, coconut oil and then one of the other is either using canola or sunflower oil I did see in some of the lists of the binders I'm assuming they're probably binding that fat with like methyl cellulose or something like that this can get really like nerdy really fast but i would assume it has something to do (laughs) with that but what do you know that i don't
0: well no you you kind of hit the nail on the head they're just finding they're finding uh ways to blend the fats and bind them to uh basically address the way that fats melt because uh coconut oil you know milks pretty well but the second it starts losing any of that heat it starts getting kind of mm-hmm. grainy and that's just not that's not what you want in like a good right. burger fat so um uh but yeah they're blending for the most part coconut uh, sunflower and canola oil and then using methyl cellulose, which like you said, is a binder, I don't know. Have you ever used that in a professional kitchen? Uh,
1: I have never used that in a kitchen. I have seen it used in a kitchen. You know, it's, it's some, that's some weird shit though. That's some <laughs> shit. I mean, I mean, so just to I explain used, like methyl cellulose has the ability with just a small amount of water in conjunction
0: with fat to basically turn a fat into a powder. Right. Yeah.
1: It's yeah, really interesting. that's right.
0: I used it in one dish over my over my time at Sambar. I use it in one dish and it was this really cool beef tendon mm-hmm. dish where we braised beef tendon and then uh, beef tendon gets really sticky. And as it sets, it like sticks together. So we would press all the beef tendons that mm-hmm. we had braised uh, together into a into a block and then we sliced the block of tendon dehydrated like the little slices and then made uh chicharrones out of the tendon which was really nice they tasted really good yeah but the dressing it was with uh mustard greens and beets the dressing was basically mustard Mm. oil That we added methyl cellulose to and you'd have to heat it up to if i remember this right 67 degrees fahrenheit and then like stir Mm -hmm. the methyl cellulose in and you'd have to hold it at 67 degrees for like a couple of minutes and then you pull it off and as it cools everything like it gels and it binds and it turns into this like thicker kind of uh dressing texture just out of oil without having to add anything else and i remember thinking that was really cool but we'd toss everything in like uh the mustard oil with a little bit of uh beet puree in it and like dress everything with that and it was really really cool Mm. dish but um but yeah so that's uh that's methyl cellulose that's how they get the uh the fat to resemble um fat in a burger. And I know you're really excited about this this last ingredient, so I'm not gonna steal your thunder here, but there is one really cool thing that uh that gives it its color. And I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you explain this. Basically they've they found these high
1: concentrations of uh soy lehemoglobin, which is sounds remarkably similar to hemoglobin, which is a compound in your blood that helps oxygen move from your lungs to the rest of your body. Anyway, it's really cool stuff. Um, You can go to Impossible Foods website and they have a really good explanation of this. But they have managed to find a way to cultivate this soy lehemoglobin in large volumes. And it's basically, it's about tricking yeast to make it. So there's a really good source of soy lehemoglobin in the roots of soy plants. But you imagine the process of like being able to extract all that would be really difficult. So what they've done is they have taken the genes from the soy plant specifically from the root section and they've implanted that in genetically modified yeast so that the yeast will create this soy lehemoglobin in large volume so what and what's really cool about that is that if you think about you know what it would take to go like cultivate soy plants for the production of this one particular compound um, and, and what sort of like farming structure would take to go do that well yeast just rapidly geometrically multiply right so they basically they've tricked these yeast into producing this particular compound which mimics this sort of
0: like i guess it would be just like the blood flavor of meat yeah yeah they uh they put in the the basically the genetic blueprint for something that's very similar to the protein in your blood that gives it the red color Yes, yeah, so actually
1: it'd be uh, interesting just for a second to talk about, you know, the guy behind the company at Impossible Foods, uh, Dr. Patrick O'Brown. I think this guy is super interesting. So, he's prof- professor oh, yeah. emeritus at Stanford uh, Department of Biochemistry at the School of Science and Medicine, a member of the National Academy of Science, the National Academy of Medicine, former investigator at the Howard Hughes Medical Institute. And he's the inventor of the DNA microarray. So I was like, well, what the fuck is a microarray? And actually what the microarray is a tool that's used to determine if the DNA from a particular individual contains mutated genes. So modern day, this is technology that's used to detect things like breast cancer and tumors and all sorts of you know yeah. latent diseases. Um, So just just needless to say, like, this guy is really smart and he ought to
0: be able to make a pretty good bean burger. He's not just science smart either. He's he's business smart. I think the thing that he's done with Impossible Foods that's really interesting to me is, you know, the science is there, but he's stated that it's his goal to make a tasty burger first like he's not making this for vegetarians or vegans he's trying to make a good product and he is approaching it from you know an environmental standpoint like his his big deal the reason he started impossible foods was because he thought that you know animal-based agriculture was one of the biggest problems that we're facing as a Mm -hmm. society as far as climate change is concerned. And I don't know if his stance on that has changed or anything, but I know that was a stated goal of his was to lower the impact of animal-based agriculture on the environment. And, you know, in his attempt to solve that problem, he realized that, you know, there's this untapped market of like vegetarians and vegans that can be brought into this conversation about making a tasty burger. But his goal isn't to pander to them so much as it is to just make a really good burger which is something i I don't think you see with like morning star farms you know i mean there's those burgers those burgers are not good yeah there's
1: there's an implied sacrifice in in flavor and and eating enjoyment when you get into the Boca burgers and the morning star and the garden burgers and bean burgers and bean patties and all that weird shit um which is funny that i'm referring to that stuff as the weird shit and not this stuff this particular food that we're talking about impossible and beyond meat uh, especially when we talk about impossible is is my perception of those folks is those are the folks that are really in that whole like non-gmo camp in a lot of cases however okay. this product is just gmo out the fucking wazoo delicious and I think yeah. it actually just sparks a bigger question about, you know, are all GMOs bad? And, and that was something that you and I have been kicking around as a uh, conversation topic for an episode at a later point. Um, but I find that interesting that we've, we've sort of found like the, the the sort of exception to the rule for some consumers around, you know, GMOs and, and things like that. Or at least or maybe they're just not that knowledgeable about what they're consuming or they don't give a shit, you know.
0: I think this is probably a good place to take a break. But before we do, I just want to say for the most part, uh, I think that we see three major talking points around which most conversations are framed regarding plant based and more specifically Mm -hmm. fake meats. But before we get into them, we're going to take a quick break. So uh, we'll see you when we return. All right. So thank you for listening. We haven't landed on anyone we want to work with promotionally yet. So we're just going to fill this space and talk about us a little bit. We are excited to see the support that we are already receiving for the show. It means so much to us. If you haven't yet, please like and subscribe on your platform of choice. Also, check out our website, write a review, and sign up for our newsletter. Blog posts, social projects, recipes, merch. It's all in the pipelines, ladies and gentlemen, and we can't wait to share it. So stay tuned, and thanks for listening. We are back, and I guess the question on the table is, what makes plant-based meats attractive to consumers? You've
1: got the obvious for folks that are either not meat-centric, which there's folks out there that that aren't necessarily vegetarian or vegan per se. They just don't consume a lot of meat. I think that that's that's a great. Alternative um, for them, especially when you look at like nutritional value and things, and then I think there's there's a perceived sort of ecological environmental benefit to some of the work that's being done, and you know, eliminating the whole cow fart issue, which we all know and love. Sure. Uh, we Nobody all we all love talking about cow farts.
0: I, I think that's all right. The way that I um the way that I break it down, the way that I answer it is kind of threefold. I think that there are three ways that we can um frame the conversation about why it's attractive to consumers and i think the first one is around the mm-hmm. environment the second one is an ethical consideration sure. And the third one is a health consideration. I think that everything that you said can be kind of summarized in these buckets. And I think that that's that's how most people look at it. So just to go down the line with them, the the perception that it is better for the environment. How do you how do you feel about that? I mean,
1: I would say my knee jerk reaction is that my bullshit alarm immediately goes off when people make such audacious claims about that, especially when they're not really verifiable not just not verified, but not verifiable. Right. Meaning the information is just not there to yeah. go really drill down into that. And and the science isn't really strong enough to go
0: determine that sort of thing. But, you know, yeah, you're saying you actually don't have the ability to make a qualitative well, claim yeah, just like, like that. One
1: observation I'd make is I actually was doing some digging around and I hope we can we can, you know, provide a little bit more data on this is depending on what news sources you're looking at, you know, it's like one news source will say, oh, well, you know, beyond meats great. And it was invented to, you know, help save the environment, etc." But, you know, large carbon footprint to go produce this stuff. And sure. then if you look at vegan news, it's like 130 times lower than meat production per pound. You know, it's so it's, yeah. it's very hazy in terms of like whether it is or is not better for the environment. And I think it's a very complex
0: issue. So, yeah, that's a good point. Like, being better for the environment doesn't necessarily mean good for the environment, well, does Well, yeah, it. for sure.
1: I mean, I, but I I, think
0: I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that that
1: say, hey, this is a... M-. Moving in if, the right if direction. If you were to say, hey, this is exactly. a mark improvement that if... if I, I don't know how you measure fucking carbon units or footprints or whatever the fuck it is. But, you know, like if you said, okay, <laughs> per you pound of in, beef, in we're going to use nine wiggles of carbon and then and then, <laughs> wiggle, and then per pound of beyond beef or beyond pork we're going to use 7.5 wiggles i'm i'm cool with that i can get behind them wiggles <laughs> that's a,
0: a yeah. wiggle I'm, i feel kind of speechless i don't about know your, i just i just made that up terming. i don't know how what does anybody know how you measure <laughs> carbon units uh, i i don't that's that seems like a good thing to, to look up but i mean i think i think you're right it's it's weird to see one source say one thing and another source say something yeah. completely different but i think just like everything else it it boils down to what your priorities are like what it is that you're mm-hmm. focusing on And, you know soybeans might not seem like they're as bad as cows because soybeans don't fart and like cows like as we keep saying like cow farts are are a huge problem like that's kind of a joke but it's also mm-hmm. kind of true um, or cow burps, cow gas in general. And soybeans don't do the same thing. But, you know, at the same time, soy in general and the production of soy is something that is tied very closely to, you know, decline in rainforests mm. in South America because people are ripping them up so that they can plant more soybeans. And, you know, like which one of these values is more important to you, like saving the rainforest or saving the climate? Are they are they even connected at all? You know, like, I, I think that it really depends on which part, like, which aspect of the data you're Mm -hmm. looking at. And it's difficult to qualitatively say like one of those aspects is better than the other aspect. Well, actually, and I think too, and maybe this is just,
1: this is getting a little too far into the spin on things, but you know, it's just, if you say, okay, this is, this is more um, towards a carbon neutral product than beef. Well, like what beef, which beef are we talking about? You
0: know, there's a, there's a lot of beef. Yeah. There are ways that beef can like actually be a benefit. Like proper animal husbandry is a good thing for the environment when done properly. That's, that's something that like, you know, ranchers right now are up in arms about, you know, Um, but I, I I do
1: like the idea of at least this gives you some sort of tool to sort of attack an issue from both sides. Right. To your point about, you know, the, the, the benefits, the, the ecological benefits to a certain Type of cattle farming where it can really improve the environment versus like wear it down. But then on the other side, you do have an opportunity to sort of reduce dependency overall, which I think both of you and I would probably agree that, you know, while I don't think beef is going anywhere or animal proteins are going anywhere, I do think that our overall dependency on them is a bit
0: much. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, no, I think that's 100% yeah. right. I don't know, like it's, it's all very complex. Like I said, I think that part of the problem is couched in the solution itself. Like it's viewed as a solution to like our animal-based mm-hmm. agriculture. Right. Like this is viewed as a as a potential solution to some of the problems that it causes, which, you know, draws a comparison right right off the bat. Like it has to like if it's going to uh, um, replace something, then you're going to be comparing the two inherently. (laughs) And I think that it's wrong to compare the two honestly. So what I always try to do in my mind is break it down into a little bit more simpler of Mm -hmm. a process. And when I look at what it takes to produce plant based meats, I know that there's really two uh, control points that you can look at, and that's the growing of the products Mm -hmm. themselves that go into the the quote unquote meat and the production process that combines these products into a final packaging. And I think that whenever you find yourself fake meat to real meat and trying Mm -hmm. to create like a qualitative answer about which one's better or worse. You're not doing things the right way. Like, really, you should be looking at every stage of the production process and saying, like, could this could I find a better like could I compare what I do in this stage to a possible alternative approach and which of those two things is better? You know, and like that's where your comparison should be happening at like the production stages of the product itself and not trying to compare the product to something else, no matter how much they resemble each other, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, that's kind of my actually what came to
1: mind while you were saying that, because you mentioned, well, one, the, the processing and then the packaging. I was slightly appalled by some of the packaging that was used, I think, especially by Beyond Meat, at least in their earlier stages. I don't know what they're using now, but they, you know, I think one is just bear in mind, like this stuff is expensive. I think it is marginally more expensive than ground beef. So when you're, when you're trying to put a product in like into a retail market, like one of the big concerns you have is price point, right? You're, you're trying to get things within a certain price point range. And let's say they identify that ideally, you know, th- they would sell an item for nine bucks and now they have to go like design everything around that idea. And what you ended up with in the case of beyond Meat, and I may be misstating some things. I'm just drawing an example here is you had two They look like eight ish ounce uh, burger patties in a plastic tray with a plastic film over the top. So just like the the ratio of plastic to actual like sustenance was just way off, way
0: off. There's a lot to consider on the environment aspect. I want to move on to the Mm. the ethical aspect right off the top. It's obvious that when you have a plant-based burger, you don't have to deal with images of cows being systematically Mm -hmm. slaughtered. So uh, I think that, that, that scratches the ethical itch that a lot of consumers have. What do you, what do you Uh, feel about that? Man,
1: My brain's all over the place on this one. I mean, so one, I just, just to tell a quick story. um, And I used to be so annoyed by this. I don't, I don't have a lot in me that wants to combat what people believe or what they feel is right. Um, I do. Have a problem with some of the ways that those folks um, choose to enforce or force those ideas on you.
0: I think when you view an ethical consideration Mm -hmm. with a product, uh, sometimes... You start off with, like, do we even want to consider ethics to begin with? Like, is it outside of the scope of our product to get people to think about, you know, things that they wouldn't want to think about otherwise? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so uh, like it can be a part of your brand to say that we're ethical because you know, kill animals, don't kill animals. You don't have to deal with any of that shit. We don't have animals. Yeah, period. It, you know, and it's not necessarily an ethical choice for the cows because the cows aren't being slaughtered. It's like an ethical choice because your personal ethics are to uh, you know just kind of take a. Step back from that conversation and be like, it's beyond me. I don't have all the criteria. I don't have all the information. And quite honestly, I don't see how my voice benefits mm-hmm. it. So I'm going to step yeah. back from it. And if that's something that the company can offer you, then they're appealing to your ethical side by saying like, yeah, you can step out of this conversation entirely mm-hmm. by buying our product. And that's you know? interesting. And I, I think, you know, we've had
1: conversations and we, we we discussed this with Brett Hogan camp of White Stag Farms about how
0: great guy. Yeah, about how
1: beef and cow have sort of become two different things. Um, and I think that in in, in this moment, in, in this discussion, you know, like companies like Impossible Burger are really trying to start to bring that back into focus,
0: maybe not in the way that I would like. Oh, no, I like that. I, I think I know what you're saying like we have a tendency to view beef as separate mm-hmm. from the cow, like it grew on a right. tree somewhere. Well, now it actually can <laughs> like now. Now beef actually yeah. is something that can grow from a tree or whatever. And you don't have to worry about uh, being wrong in your separation of identity between beef yeah. and I would, i'd say that at the end of the day like
1: some people have a problem with the idea that animals are being killed for sustenance i'm at peace with that i've raised my own animals i've slaughtered my own animals uh i'm fine with it sure um i don't knock anybody who feels differently about that uh, i'd say you do you i'll do me it's tough because i don't really like the idea of engaging in this sort of kill equals bad conversation right like i just don't even want to play Right. I just don't even want to play there. Right. I think at the end of the day, we're, we're omnivores. You know, I think it's just veganism is tough, man.
0: It's widely believed that these products have the opportunity to be healthier Mm -hmm. for you. So how, how do you feel about that one? I mean, again, like
1: I said, I think, I think the information about what's there is very compelling. I mean, back to the omnivore thing, it's like, you know, like, and veganism, again, is incredibly difficult to do and do well and do without causing any major sort of like health problems down the road. But, you know, I looked up some of the nutrition facts on it. So just as a as a as a baseline point, the average American needs 46 to 56 grams of protein as a baseline per day. Right. Um, yeah. You can cover this with three servings of impossible or beyond Um, So I think that's pretty promising. Um, Now, I don't know where, you know, sort of the other factors and, you know, obviously there's a lot of things in actual protein that are beneficial to the human diet. So I don't (laughs) know where that leads to any like other deficiencies. But uh, I think based off of what I'm seeing, I think it's it's it shows real potential.
0: Yeah. Um, it would be interesting to do almost like a Morgan Spurlock. You know, it's funny. I thought like, of that. I actually thought of that. That was so fucking weird that you said that. I think the the comparison, like it's, it's there at some point. What would happen if I ate nothing but a beyond meat diet? But what would that even look like? Cause you'd have to have some kind of vegetables to just, Oh, for sure. Yeah. No,
1: I mean, no, but here's what, here's what I think would be interesting, right? Is if you, okay, you take what would be considered a, a balanced animal protein diet right meat fruits vegetables etc a number of calories in a day Um, and then you have to go reconstruct that with a uh, plant-based fake meat diet while also compensating in some way for the things that you're not getting from the actual protein the real animal protein you know so i mean just in my head it looks like i have to eat four times as much kale to get this one particular (laughs) phytonutrient you know in sufficient levels or yeah um, or obviously there's some sort of supplementation. I'd, I'd love to see somebody do some analysis
0: of like, how do you, how do you can, how do you construct oh, you know a the scientists at the companies on or, side of the line here, right? Uh, you know, the scientists that they have working at those companies and the diet, they have di- they have oh, to have sure. dietitians yeah. on staff. And yeah. They have to be like creating like, here's a, here's the kind of diet that you need mm-hmm. to have and how you incorporate Beyond Meat or sure. Impossible Burgers into it. But for me, I think I think the answer is the same as it basically yeah. always is. You need to have I think that you need to have diversity in your diet. That's like such a huge part of I think both of our mm-hmm. value structures is that you need to have diversity in your diet. And plant based fake meats can be healthier than traditional meat, because um, some of the studies that I read show that they are a good source of fiber mm-hmm. and iron. While having less saturated fat than meat, which is good, um, but that they also contain less protein, less B twelve vitamins, and have more salt. So, you know, if you're if you're interested in heart health, then you know, I think that these fake meats are going to help you achieve your health goals. But you know, if you're looking to drop your blood pressure, then maybe right. not so much. Right. So. Um, Again, it's very hard to say that an individual item is healthy or not healthy for you because I think that it's fundamentally missing the point that you have to have diversity and you have to have variety just the very nature of having different types of food makes some of the foods in your diet more bioavailable it makes it so that your body can take advantage of some right. of the nutrition that is being offered and takes care of some of the some of the bad parts because saturated fat if you don't get too much of it and you have like you said a lot of kale that helps to process that saturated fat properly then that's not so bad either you know you just don't want it to be the main source <laughs> right. of things you don't don't, don't just go eating buckets of saturated fat though you know i don't know with the with the remainder of our time for this episode uh, i did want to address one final criteria how does it taste Mm. have you like have you had anything other than the ground beef product by impossible or beyond meat i mean i feel like i've had some of those damn bean burgers back in the day (laughs) Which, you know. <laughs> well, I was talking more like their sausages. You know how they oh, have I like have, sausages. Yeah, yeah, no, I've and, had uh
1: I be- I think I had impossible sausages quite a few times. Um I actually haven't had them. What, what did uh, you think? they were fucking amazing actually? Yeah. Uh, I I they think Beyond Meat was the one. So I was at again at the trade show, um, National Foods Expo West, right? Which is this company's fucking bread and butter. That'd be their biggest trade show of the year, but I remember they had a booth where they're just just slinging sl- they're slinging wieners left and right. Man, they were so <laughs> they were so good. Um, no, I would I would
0: say just just thumbs up job. I haven't had any of the sausages. I'm I'm interested. In, okay, so that's not true. I haven't had any of their mm-hmm. link sausages, but I know Dunkin' Donuts had a i think they're using beyond meats like it seems like both of the companies have kind of like sectioned off their part of the fast mm-hmm. food world and i think dunkin donuts is almost like Coke right. and pepsi you know dinkin i uh, think uh, do dunkin donuts do we, remember we used to call dinkin donuts it. we used to call <laughs> I it do, that in college. i do yeah yeah <laughs> i think w- were you the one that got me I saying that i think you
1: came up with that and i just you know i i i, <laughs> I um i let you use it three times
0: and that's so my so own stupid yeah. <laughs> that's yeah that sounds right uh man we were uh some yeah, goofy motherfuckers sure. that's uh, that's that's fucking understatement <laughs> of the year pal i think i think that's still kind of blue it's like you said flinging, w- flinging wieners earlier and i just started laughing like <laughs> <laughs> there's always been like a childishness to our sense of humor yeah, that i've always appreciated <laughs> he said wiener it's hilarious mm-hmm. but uh anyways um so yeah i've, I've had their beyond meat sausage like egg and cheese Mm -hmm. biscuit i thought i thought it was good i would be interested to try like their link sausages on their own and do like a side-by-side analysis i know that you've got sort of a product tasting in mind so yeah yeah, so um i'm actually hoping like we haven't done that yet but i'm hoping when we release this episode you kind of wanted to cut it into this episode but i thought it would be cool to do like a special second episode during the week as like a follow-up so, uh, maybe we can have this be like an advertisement to look out later on in the week. And that sort of puts us in a position where we have to do yeah, it right on. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, we're advertising for our tasting of this product coming up right now, I guess. So look for that episode later this week. Does that work for you? Would that yeah, be a cool we'll, thing to we'll do? Make, we'll make something happen. Yeah. Fucking awesome. But, you know, all this gets me to the point where, you know, I think about tastings and I think it's kind of funny how obvious it is to make the food actually taste good. You know, like that would seem obvious. We were talking about Pat O'Brown, Patrick O'Brown earlier, and how his primary focus wasn't to give vegetarians something they were lacking, but rather to make a tasty product, you know, and how. That sort of seemed revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Several of the companies are owned by Conagra and Kraft and Kellogg's. And the reason that that's significant is that each of those wings of these larger companies are there specifically to market to vegetarians. They're not there to make a better Mm. product. They're there to isolate a particular market and broaden the reach of a large company. And then you have, you know, Patrick O'Brown coming in and being like, I'm not trying to do that. I'm going to play around with these companies, but my edge is going to be that I'm making an actually good product that can like go toe to toe, not with other veggie burgers, but with burgers, period. I'd say he's
1: fucking pulled it off. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's why I was saying he's not just science smart. He's also like he's got a very savvy business Mm -hmm. mind, you know, and I've known people who actually enjoy their veggie burgers. Don't get me wrong. Don't don't get me wrong. Like I've known people that like Morningstar that like. Whatever the other ones are that I don't care about, <laughs> <But> <laughs> I like, I I like that, the who gives I the fits he, and, uh... <laughs> yeah, like, like I don't know, whatever. Whatever the other veggie burgers are, they're never they're always dry and crumbly, and I, I just don't like them. But my point is, I've known people that do like them, but without fail, the people that I do know that like them, they didn't start out liking them; they became enthusiasts yeah. over time. You know, they they either weren't meat eaters, period. And this was just something that they could have in replacement, and then over time they're like, you know what? This is what I expect. It's nostalgic for me now. I like it, and they they grew accustomed to it over time, or they were health nuts, mm. you know, and the same thing happened. But either way, you know, they slowly transitioned to veggie burgers, um, and largely for either ethical reasons, with you know the avoiding of meat, or health reasons. With the perception that you know a plant-based burger is healthier than a than a meat-based yeah. burger, so um, again, the focus for plant-based meats has been to tap into the previously mentioned three criteria of environment, health, and ethics. And I think that you know one of the things that for me really sets apart is that they've added a fourth criteria, and that's flavor, which is something that's historically right. been lacking. Yeah and again it's funny to me how obvious that seems to say out loud like we should make something that tastes good but that that just hasn't been the focus sure. for so long is it's really more about like market saturation and market reach <laughs> anyways um i guess that's that's all i really had to say about all this stuff do you do you have anything get else a real fucking that? burger <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i want to really go get a real fucking <laughs> burger so i'm gonna say goodbye 99. bye everybody <laughs> Alright, everyone. That's this week's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please like and subscribe to us on your platform of choice. We are currently on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Please write us a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Also, reach out and connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can check our website out at Unchef.com to see projects we're working on and to sign up for our newsletter. We'll see you next week. Coming in how you better get
1: out the kitchen. I could make a hit on whatever you're pitching. Baby, let me fill up whatever you're missing. Oh, you like it up at the top. It's a better view, isn't it? I'm not surprised at all. No way. Hey, what you need? Come on, just pay the fee supply it all went up the mountain and it wasn't hard to climb at all